I'm Jade. And I'm Shauna. And this is Wellness Speaks. A podcast about functional medicine and healthy living. Hey guys, welcome to Wellness Speaks, where today we are talking about our favorite essential oils and how we like to use them. So essential oils have grown in popularity even in the mainstream sector in the last 10 or so years, and you can find them in everything from diffuser blends to body care products. So I use essential oil blends in quite a few of Prairie Bloom's products, uh, but I am not an aromatherapist. So every time I create a new blend that I like, I always have an aromatherapist um, that I run it by to make sure that it is safe. So Defaulting to an aromatherapist and not an essential oils representative is super important. Um, There's a big differentiation between these. So aromatherapists actually go through years of training. They do their own research and studies, and um, they are certified. So after, you know, they pass exams and they write papers similar to what would be like a dissertation. So it's really important to understand that while essential oils can be extremely therapeutic and really, really great, Uh, Just because something is natural does not necessarily make it safe. There are some really important points that I think we would like to make about the use of essential oils before we go on. So first and foremost, never ingest them. Never, 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 ever, 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 ever ingest essential oils. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say it enough times. Um, These oils are super, super concentrated. So The way that my aromatherapist explained it to me is that one drop of peppermint oil is equal to approximately 15,000 peppermint leaves. So, yeah, so you hear about people saying they put um, like one drop of peppermint in their water, right, for flavor. So think about it. I would never, for any reason, eat 15,000 peppermint leaves at once, ever. (laughs) It's extremely difficult for our liver Um, to process this intense amount of oils. So uh, the only caveat here is enterically coated peppermint oil. So this is different than ingesting peppermint oil straight or like in your water or any oil. So it's enterically coated, so it's not absorbed in your stomach, right? That enteric coating is not broken down in your stomach. It's broken down in your small intestine. So uh, this is often used for the treatment of IBS. It acts as an antispasmodic, and it decreases the muscle spasms that are uh, going on in the intestinal tract of people with IBS. So the enteric coating means that you know it's not absorbed until it's broken down and when it reaches the small intestine. And so it basically, you can think of it as like topically applying it to your small intestine, if that gives you a good visual. <laughs> If you could like reach down there and apply it to the inside of your intestine, that's kind of um, what it's doing. Yeah, very interesting and definitely important. (laughs) Another area is um, essential oils with children that we want to focus on the safety for. So as a general rule of thumb here, um, we just don't use essential oils in any child under the age of two. Um, This includes using topically as well as diffusing. And because these oils are so incredibly concentrated, there's really no reason to use them on on little ones. Um, so herbs are a much better option in children this young as well as in the elderly as, uh, uh, also. So, 
Yeah, this is the exact reason why I sort of developed the mother and child line within Prairie Bloom. Um, all of those products are strictly herb-based. They never contain essential oils. They never will. Hydrosols are another really super safe alternative for small children. Um, and after the age of two, the recommendations kind of differ based on which essential oil it is. So things like peppermint and rosemary... These carry a risk of apnea, laryngeal and bronchial spasms. They can cause acute respiratory distress with um, cyanosis and respiratory arrest. They're, I mean, really powerful stuff. So if you are using essential oils on kids between ages 2 and about 11 or 12, you want to make sure that, A, you have done your research and made sure that they are safe for use on those kids. So ask an aromatherapist. And B, you want to keep the dilution rate at about 0.5 to 1%. So I use an online calculator um, that makes it super easy to figure out the ratio in drops. So you can find that, and we'll put this in the show notes. It's marvimoms.com backslash dilution calculator that will change how you use essential oils forever. So kind of long, but um, <laughs> we'll put it that in the show That sounds like notes. a great site, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've been using essential oils for a very long time. I mean, years and years and years. Uh-huh. And most people say or think that essential oils are super safe because they're natural. Um, sure. And I used to be one of those. I definitely used to think uh-huh. that way. So, I did too. And I used to use them just without thinking, like, I would use five or six drops at a time uh-huh. and... You know, I would feel effects of it like headaches or um, oh, yeah. just kind of nausea. I, <laughs> so it can definitely. <laughs> when I blend uh, like the Prairie Bloom perfume therapies or because I'm making them in batches, I have mm-hmm. to wear one of those funny little like like a like a painter would wear. You know, you buy oh, them yeah. at Lowe's or Home Depot, those masks. I wear yeah. one of those because otherwise I get that and I have to wear, I mean, I wear latex gloves for, you know, like general because I'm making stuff that people are putting on their bodies, but, um, also to protect my own skin. Cause I don't want to be touching that stuff for hours at a time. Um, it's, it's powerful stuff. Yeah. It's good super, stuff. Yes. Super good stuff. Yes. When used correctly. Super powerful. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, even for adults using something topically or diffusing it, uh, daily, the dilution really shouldn't go higher than about 2%. And I mean, that's, it's, it's not a lot. Like one drop contains a whole lot of essential oils. So for acute issues, so say like the deep muscle rub that I make, the dilution is closer to about 3% because you're applying it to a smaller area and you're doing it for a shorter time frame. So um, like the deep muscle rub is meant to be used for, you know, like if you have sore muscles or something. So maybe you're rubbing it onto the tops of your quads, but you're not doing it 15 times a day for five weeks in a row. Hopefully your quads are not that sore for that long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so then you can have a higher dilution rate. But so if it's something that you're using every day, you want to keep it lower. Um, And I mentioned the elderly and also the immunocompromised, they should use a lower dilution, which is about the same as what you would use for children. So about 0.5 to 1%. Yeah. It's also important um, to mention that using the same essential oil day in and day out can actually cause you to develop a reaction, Mm -hmm. as can applying the oil NEAT, which is undiluted. So it's important that you skip days in between use, um, specifically topical use, and that you adhere to dilution ratios. 
Yeah, so um, my aromatherapist actually developed a reaction to lavender, of all things. Wow. Um, Yeah, and she was even, I mean, she was using it safely, like, per guidelines, but she was using it almost every day. And so she um, she developed a pretty severe reaction to it. She kind of breaks out. They're like, oh, it's almost like hives when she uses it now. So, I mean, well, so she doesn't use it now. But yeah. <laughs> Well, there's been a lot of oils that I used to use every day, too. Like, like every, every, every day. So mm-hmm. I'm lucky that I didn't have yeah, a reaction like that. For sure. Um, it's also really important not to diffuse essential oils if you have a cat. They are incredibly sensitive to most oils. Um, dogs are sensitive to some certain oils as well. And I usually, uh, so we just got a cat, a kitten for Christmas. So my diffusing days are likely over right now. Um, just because like there are some that are safe, but I'm not knowledgeable about which ones they are. And so since so many of them can be super toxic to cats, I just kind of am like, I'm not diffusing anything around my cat right now. And I usually even put my dogs outside if I'm diffusing, um, And when you are diffusing, it's recommended to only diffuse for about 15 minutes and then turn the diffuser off for about an hour and then turn it back on for another 15. So, because, I mean, even if, you know, I know a lot of people diffuse because they're wanting the room to smell good, but that's not really what essential oils are for. Essential oils are for therapeutics. And so while it's lovely for your home to smell like, you know, cinnamon and orange, like that's really not something you want to be breathing in. Um, So... Uh, you know, even if you can't smell it, it's still there in the air doing therapeutic work if if the therapy is what you're diffusing it for. Yeah, I had no idea that cats were that sensitive to to oils either until you told me about that. So, yeah, they have, they're just, so you know, crazy. they're physiologically different than humans. And yeah. because of that, it's very difficult for their liver to process certain plants. I know it's, they're ones that are high, plants that are high or oils that are high in hydrocarbons. And I think polyphenols or something like that I can't I can't even remember but um I don't know what oils those are so again that's why I just Mm -hmm. I just don't around my cat (laughs) yeah yeah so definitely if you're going to be using oils and you have pets do your research a little bit just to keep your pets safe all right so now that all of the safety stuff is out of the way um we'll talk about some of our favorites and how we like to use them there are so many more amazing and be- beneficial oils than just the few we are going to discuss here um, today, but we just wanted to throw a few of our favorites at you and how we use them in our day-to-day life. All right, so one of my favorites is lemon. Um, it is super refreshing. So lemon has natural antibacterial and antiviral and even antihistamine properties. I like to add 10 to 15 drops to my homemade cleaning products. Now, this mm-hmm. is like, you know, a, a big bottle, like a liter size bottle. Sure. Um, it is a very clean and energizing smell. Uh, sometimes I will just add a drop to my pulse points on my wrist and inhale for an instant lift me up. I keep a coconut oil with me almost all the time. So I have it on hand to mix up with any oils I may be using. Um, And I keep some on my desk so I can do this um, a few times throughout the day. So there's also some evidence that lemon can stimulate hair growth. And um, the essential oil also contains a constituent known as D-limonene, which has been shown to have powerful cancer-fighting effects. I did not know 
that lemon can stimulate hair growth. I've heard that yeah. about rosemary, but I didn't know that about lemon. Yeah, Very it should be added to more shampoos, right? Yeah. I need some in my shampoo because I'm trying to grow my <laughs> hair back out. But I love lemon too. I like to diffuse it um, with peppermint and lavender during allergy season. This The three together makes mm-hmm. for really great nasal relief. It smells really good too. Um, nice. I also have put it like in a couple drops in a rollerball with um, some carrier oil. And even rolling it like on your neck will help with relief. Um with, with nasal issues. So, um, I love the little roller balls. I do too. I always have them floating around because I'm like trying out new stuff and then I don't label it and then I forget what it (laughs) is. I'm like, wait, which one was this? (laughs) Um, but I like to use lemon for cleaning products too. I think any citrus combo is really great for cleaning products because they have those really awesome antibacterial properties and citrus just smells clean. Like you were yes. saying like that, that pick me up. It just, it smells crisp yeah. and clean. That's nice. And it's super energizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another energizing one is peppermint. This is another one of my faves. Um, and you mentioned some of the digestive relief that it can have, mm-hmm. um, but it is also super stimulating and it can also help with mental clarity if you are diffusing it. Um, it can be great for nausea and headaches. So you can either inhale, uh, or diffuse. Also, you can mix with a little carrier oil and add it to the bottoms of your feet or the nape of your neck. Um, and even the temples of your, um, of your head for your, for like migraines or headaches. So, um, and then for digestive issues, it can be after diluted applied to the stomach area. So it can also be used in natural bug repellents and often is in many of the bug repellents that you can get. Yeah. And I have heard that you can put it out and mice don't like the smell of peppermint. Like you can put it on cotton balls and put it out and it'll help to repel mice. Oh, interesting. Um, I do use peppermint and several prairie bloom formulas. Uh, The deep muscle rub is one that I was talking about earlier because of its antispasmodic action. So it helps to soothe your sore muscles. Um, It's also in my sugar scrub because it's, like you said, super invigorating. Um, So it's really nice to like scrub down with the scent of peppermint in the morning. And I also have used it for nausea or stomach cramping. It has worked wonders on my older kiddo when he's had stomach issues. Um, I take one drop with about a half ounce of carrier oil. And so if you can picture that, that is a very, very small amount. And then I don't put all of that on his abdomen. I like dip my finger. I usually make it in a shot glass. I dip my finger in that when it's mixed together and rub what's on my finger on his abdomen. But it gives him almost instant relief. Um, when I was pregnant and I would, I had really bad morning sickness, I had, they make these really cool little, they're specifically for essential oils. They're called inhalers and they're like these little plastic things and they have a strip of absorbent paper mm-hmm. stuff inside of them. Yeah, I've um, seen those. yeah, and so I made a blend of peppermint, lavender, and ginger, and I would, oh my gosh, it was a lifesaver, life 
saver. I get horrible awesome. morning sickness when I'm pregnant. So, <laughs> um, but like I was saying earlier, peppermint should never be used on children under eight and people with gallbladder disease, severe liver damage, gallstones, and chronic heartburn should also avoid the intake of peppermint oil. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that it shouldn't be used on children under eight. Um, mm-hmm. One, another way that a lot of people use peppermint is for fevers, and mm. it can be used a lot for fever reduction and very effectively. But like you said, it should not be used on children under eight, and then it needs to be diluted quite well. Um, typically, the bottoms of the feet is the best place to apply that for for fevers. But um, yeah, not in children under eight. So. Yeah. Um, all right. So oregano is another one that made my favorites list and it is super potent <laughs> and it is considered a hot oil. So it must be diluted. Yeah. And not in water. No. <laughs> I, found this, <laughs> I found this out the hard way several years oh, ago. Oh <laughs> no. <laughs> when I added oregano to my bath. So I had had a bad cold and had thought it perfect to add to my bath. Um, no, because it is antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, and it's even antiparasitic. So yeah, I was thinking this would be perfect for my bad cold. I had a throat. Um, no, I don't recommend that because within seconds, my skin felt like it was on fire. Uh, literally within seconds. So I immediately jumped out of the bath and I literally had burn marks on me that took about two weeks to go away. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. A few of them even blistered. so awful. And I'm laughing because (laughs) I had a very similar experience with clove oil, which is Uh, also a very hot oil. So (laughs) I had been using it in a carrier oil for sore muscles. And I did the same thing. I was like, I should put this in my bath water because then I can just soak my whole body at once, right? You Um, live, you learn, right? (laughs) Yeah, and I didn't know that, like, if you're adding it to water, you still need to mix it with an oil first. I didn't realize this at that point. I didn't know either. (laughs) So. Um, I put some directly in the water and I am assured that I put way too much in there. I mean, I like, I think back on it and that was when I would take a bottle and just like dump stuff, right? It wasn't like one drop. Um, and I started feeling this like burning on the back of my thigh and it got really intense, really fast. Like a hot poker was being held to my thigh. So I, oh my gosh, yeah, it was terrible. So I got out and I wiped it off. And what I also didn't know at this time is what I should have done. So if anyone out there in listener land has this experience for some reason, um, what I should have done is I should have applied like a carrier oil, like coconut oil or something to the area to let it like absorb the oil that was still there instead of trying to just wipe it off with a towel. Um, but yeah, it blistered. I still have a scar on the back of my thigh. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Um, I did want to say though, back so about, dilute, yes. dilute, dilute. Yes. <laughs> dilute your oils, please. Um, so oregano oil, you mentioned that it's antiparasitic. So I'm actually taking oregano oil right now, but it's not oregano essential oil. It's an oregano oil extract. So it's it's almost like an oregano, a very, very strong oregano tincture in oil put into capsule form. And I'm taking it to, because of like my, my parasite and my candida experience. So I'm taking that and I'm like rotating it out with other antiparasitics for a couple of months to make sure that that stuff doesn't come back. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, That's oregano super is... super good and powerful too. Yeah, oregano is awesome. So again, because it's an antifungal and an antiparasitic, I can take oregano for both the, the parasite and the um, candida, so... And it's good to mention here at the height of flu season where everyone is panicking over the flu and lots of people are getting (laughs) the flu that, um, that supplement that you just mentioned, the oregano oil Mm -hmm. as a, um, herbal supplement is very, very effective for, for for that. So yeah, try that out. Definitely. All right, so um, oregano can also be diluted and added directly to like ringworm and athlete's foot or even like warts. Um, it's super successful in treating those type of things. And in, in vivo studies, meaning experiments done in a Petri dish rather than a live animal or human, those have shown oregano mixed with coconut oil to be effective in killing MRSA. Um, the staph infection. Yeah. So I definitely don't recommend if you have a MRSA (laughs) to go and try to treat that yourself. Um, You know, you probably need to go to the doctor. I'm not telling you not to do, (laughs) not to go to the doctor, but it's just showing how powerful it can be. And it's, it could be an option. Yeah, for sure. So um, I always forget, like I always forget about oregano and how it's antifungal. Um, it's one of those oils that I included in the Prairie Bloom Quick Fix Spot Treatment, though, because this is designed to treat both, like, the inflammatory aspect of acne as well as the bacterial issues that are involved, and oregano obviously addresses that bacterial issue. Um, and another really good one for that is tea tree oil, which is also oh, yeah. in the... Yeah, tea tree is, like... I mean, a lot of people use tea tree oil for that kind of stuff, so I really do not love the way tea tree oil smells, um, at all. I think it's gross, but <laughs> I use it in cleaning products and it's got some really great antifungal and antibacterial and antimicrobial activity as well. So, um, there was, uh, several studies that showed that a solution of 5% tea tree oil was actually found to kill staph. So, um, while we did talk earlier about, making sure your dilution rates are low enough. Um, my husband trains for jujitsu and he uses a tea tree oil body wash that I made for him because, uh, staff like just seems to run rampant in MMA and jujitsu and CrossFit gyms. Right. So this like 5% tea tree oil was actually found to kill staff. Um, I don't think that it was MRSA, but just like regular staff. And, you know, I mean, staph is a naturally occurring bacteria on our skin sometimes. Some people carry it more often than others. You just don't right. want it in your bloodstream or in a wound. That's when it becomes harmful. Right. So, um, but he has, I don't know if he cares if I talk about this or not, but he's had a staph infection before and he went to the emergency room Um And, you know, they, like, drained it. They wanted to put him on antibiotics, so on and so forth. He didn't take the antibiotics, I don't think. I can't remember that first time. But then he got another one. And he was like, I'm not doing that again. And we treated it at home successfully with, like, no antibiotics and with tea tree oil. And, I mean, it took longer for it to heal, but it went away. And, like, we didn't have to do a round of antibiotics. So, And now he uses that tea tree oil body wash that I made for him and I hate the way he smells after he uses it because tea tree oil stinks but it Ah. means that he's not getting a staph infection 
And but I'm one reason, of the weird ones that do like the smell of tea really? tree. I love it. Yeah. But only in small amounts so for weird. like a brief time. So well, you know, the only reason that staff is so rampant in places like that is because it's people with exposed skin rolling around on the floor. So then if you have an open wound and you roll around on the floor where someone's skin cells have just been shed that can, and they're a staff carrier and then you get it in your wound, that's when it becomes like a problem. So it's not like these places are dirty. It's just like, because people are rolling around on the floor, whatever. Um, but yeah, so properties of tea tree oil also make it, um, a really great add in to homemade cleaning products. So, um, especially if you're like me in small amounts, but you know, whatever. (laughs) So what's your next favorite one? My next one is lavender. Um, I love lavender. So I know it's probably the most well-known and is used in so many products. Um, so some people may already be tired of it, but not me. (laughs) (laughs) I used to attend a lavender festival in Texas every year and it was so incredible and just a lot of fun. I definitely need to get back to making that like a yearly ritual or retreat for myself. Um, it was just so much fun, but you know, just like the jokes with coconut oil that can be used for everything, which I do use coconut oil for just about (laughs) everything. (laughs) Lavender oil can also be used for just about everything. Yeah. Diluted. Use safely. So it's very sedative um, and calming, and it has antidepressive properties. It is also, um, as are the other oils I've mentioned, it's antimicrobial, and it's also a powerful antioxidant. So lavender has been shown in clinical trials um, to reduce anxiety and depression, and it has a direct effect on the GABA receptors of the brain. It's also been shown to be very effective in lowering the seizure threshold. So again, we are not doctors. Do your own research on this and speak to your practitioner, but we will add these studies to the show notes. Um, So yeah, in a 2013 study published in Phytomedicine found that lavender oil increased the activity of the body's most powerful antioxidants. So those would be like glutathione and catalase and superoxide dimutase or SOD. Um, and more recent studies have indicated similar results, concluding that lavender has antioxidant activity and helps to prevent or res- re- uh, reverse, rather, sorry, oxidative stress. Um, it's also a very safe and effective oil for kids. As long as they're older than two and it's diluted in a carrier oil. Very good point, yes. (laughs) So just one drop is really all you need. And uh, I'm not sure what dilution it would be, but maybe like in two tablespoons of an oil. Does that sound about right? One drop, yeah. Yeah, one drop to about two tablespoons of like a coconut oil or carrier oil. And it can help relieve tension and anxiety and um, even help kids get a good night's sleep. Yeah, I am one of those people that's a little bit burned out on lavender, but I 100% agree that it has so many great therapeutic properties. I mean, there's a reason why it's one of the most used essential oils, right? Like A, it smells really nice and B, it 
has all of these really great therapeutic properties. So I do still use it in blends quite a bit. I just don't like to use it on its own because the smell is just, it has never been one of my favorite smells. Um, I actually really like the way the herb smells, but not the oil. They smell very mm. different. It's weird. They do They smell a little different. Yeah, yeah. they do. Um, another of my favorites is Helichrysum. So this is one that, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe a lot of people haven't heard of. And it comes in a couple different species, but the one that I use is Helichrysum italicum. So this particular um, strain or species has been studied and shown to have antimicrobial properties and antifungal properties against bacteria like Listeria, two different types of staph, as well as Candida albicans. So like I said earlier, I don't ever recommend the ingestion of essential oils, but this um, fact that it has such uh, anti-candida actions um, gives it a really great potential to be placed in an ingestible form much like peppermint so like in an enteric coated mm. capsule or something yeah I keep waiting for them to do that but you know and I mean ingesting helichrysum oil on its own wouldn't even be effective as a treatment against candida overgrowth because it would be like broken down way before it reached your intestinal tract which is where candida hangs out so yeah. it would have to be kept, you know, whole and together. So coating it enterically or something. Um, but what it does is it inhibits the formation of the biofilm that the candida use to stick to your intestinal lining. So I thought that was super cool. Um, that is super cool. Yeah. Uh, but so what I tend to use helichrysum for is kind of in place of like a neosporin. So I make an herbal salve called warrior salve and I add... Um, helichrysum essential oil to it. So the herbs that are used in it can help with things like skin cell regeneration and they have a lot of antibacterial properties too, but the helichrysum comes in and like helps to keep that bacteria away as the wound heals. So, you know, you could easily do this at home just using a carrier oil and appropriate dilution methods. Um, but helichrysum has been used in Madagascar in its herbal form for centuries for the treatment of things like syphilis and diarrhea, cough and headache, and studies have also shown it to be helpful as an insecticidal agent. So, Sounds like a super amazing oil. I've heard of it, but I'm not really super familiar with it, and I've never really used it, but I'll definitely have to get it. Yeah, it's kind of expensive, so it's one mm -hmm. that you won't mind using just a little bit of. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, oh yeah one drop of that that's fine that's fine um copaiba is another one that is maybe not so common but again makes it on my top list for sure so copaiba is super super anti-inflammatory when applied topically it's one of the essential oils blended into the warrior bomb that i make and so that product is geared specifically to joint pain so it comes from the sap of the copaiba tree in South America, and it's often used there to aid in digestion as well um, as to help prevent pain from injuries by supporting a healthy inflammatory response. It has been shown as well to promote relaxation when diffused, and it smells sort of um, herbally sweet. It's got a really interesting smell. Mm. I really like it. Yeah. Some studies have shown that it can also help lower blood pressure, again, um, by diffusion or with topical use, and it has some really great antifungal and antimicrobial properties as well, so it would be a good addition to like an anti-acne um, protocol or something like that. Um, when my daughter was sick this last 
when was it? A few weeks ago. Um, she had a really high fever, and we typically don't treat fevers. We just let them run their course. But she had a horrible, horrible headache with it that we couldn't figure out what was going on. And so I blended copaiba, lemon, and lavender in a roller ball, and I just put it up and down her spine a couple of times. And within, like, five minutes – I mean, she couldn't sleep. She couldn't function. And within, like, five minutes, she fell asleep and slept all night long. It was Aww. amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, it was that's great. Awesome. <laughs> all right. So those are some definitely good oils, and this is far from a completed list of good ones, but – um now we would like to hear from you and what some of your favorites are. So tell us what your favorite oils are and let us know in the comments or on Instagram at Wellness Speaks Podcast. You can also find us at wellness-speaks.com. Thanks again for joining us. <laughs>